0: Let us go to the 25th Psalm, and there is a word for us this day. If you would, please join me in these holy words, the Word of God. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them His way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep His covenant and obey His demands. Amen and amen. Well, let us go to the Lord now, church, a time of prayer, a time of just being with God and sharing our hearts and bearing our very souls. Lord God, today is the first Sunday of Lent, a season of repentance of self-examination, of silence and waiting. For the leading of your Holy Spirit, through your Spirit you lead us into the temptations of Jesus. Forty days in the wilderness where our lives are laid bare and we come face to face with our desires for power, power over our lives and the lives of our friends and enemies, and maybe even power over you, O God. So open us to your grace and mercy, your love and provision, as we confront the devil's temptations, the demons that try to run our world and our lives. Give us the power of your Son that we may also throw off the insidious powers of sin, the forces of selfishness and pride, the forces that keep us from confronting the biblical truth about our lives and the world. Lord, during this season of Lent, shatter our illusions, save us from ourselves, and open us to the new life. Of your Holy Spirit a life of faith of hope and of love as we let your spirit lead us into repentance may we discover the goodness and faithfulness of life in your kingdom of peace in the words of the psalmist may we find in your presence a refuge a dwelling place a place of rest May we also resist the temptation to find our rest in places that muffles the cries of injustice, the desperation of the needy, the anger of the wronged, and the despair of the hopeless. May those voices echo in our own Lenten silence, for the call of your Holy Spirit also speaks through those voices. As the Apostle Paul writes, your word is near us, on our lips, and in our hearts, from Romans 10. May we use the season of Lent to empty ourselves of all that makes us deaf to that word, your word, the word of God jesus christ who is already on our lips and in our hearts lord this is our prayer and we pray it in the powerful name of jesus christ our lord and savior who gave us a prayer to follow and abide by each and every day that being the lord's prayer let us now say that prayer together as the body of Christ. and the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Church, I am turning now to uh, the gospel of Mark this morning, the first chapter, and it is about the wilderness. It's about Jesus being in the wilderness and being tested by the devil himself, verses 9 through 13 this morning. So I'm going to ask, out of respect for the Word of God and the words of Jesus Christ, if you would, please stand and let us honor the Almighty in that way. Hear now these words, and I pray God's blessing upon them and the proclamation of this your holy Word. May it be a true blessing to the people of faith this day. One day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved Son, and you bring me great joy. Verse 12 The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals, and angels took care of him. Church, this is the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So, uh, church, in this particular gospel account of uh, Jesus being in the wilderness, it's uh, not quite as detailed as other gospel texts are about Jesus being in the wilderness, but it does give us uh, some idea about our own wilderness experience that uh, you and I uh, have had, uh, maybe are having now, and certainly will have. So, I I know that this text will be a a blessing uh, for us as we explore it together. So, uh, the theme uh, this morning for this Sunday is just that, wilderness, a wilderness experience that Jesus had, a wilderness experience that can teach us something uh, uh, about faith and our togetherness with uh, the Almighty. So, I, I found this quote about the wilderness from a poet named Akita. Her, her first name uh, is Layla. Uh, she had a, a good word that I thought uh, can move us right into the text. So, let's look at it together. In the wilderness, we experience the faithfulness of God, okay? Now, Scripture points us there, okay that that's the first thing uh, and the first point that I want to make this morning okay that in the wilderness we experience the faithfulness of God both the old and the New Testament scriptures point us there, and, and I'm going to uh, take you there uh, in just a minute. But, but let, me, let me just read this text again to kind of bring us right into the Word of God, and then I want to give you a, a little bit of background. Let's look once again at verse 12. It says this, "'The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness.'" Okay, now let me stop there and say right before this text, okay, a high and holy and joyous moment happened for Jesus. And that was Jesus being baptized, okay, where his heavenly Father even came and said, Look, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, listen to him, okay? After that glorious moment, what happens, okay? Well, we can definitely look at that moment, Jesus being baptized as a mountaintop experience, like you and I have mountaintop experiences, great moments, glorious moments, joy-filled moments. But what happens right after that, going or moving right into verse 12? Well, Jesus is then thrown into ministry, if you will. He's tested, okay? He's tried, okay? He moves right into ministry, and the devil himself, begins to test Jesus. Now, in another gospel text that's a little more detailed, there's this encounter with Jesus and the devil, and the devil is just throwing it at him, right? He's tempting Jesus, and every time the devil tempts Jesus in another gospel text, how does Jesus respond? Well, he responds with the Word of God, okay? He backs up his faith, his life, his spiritual stability, his foundation on the Word of God. In this text, there's not that detail. So let us kind of take what we know from other gospel texts and say, look, although it's not said in this text, you got to believe that Jesus, as a way to cast Satan out, to put the devil aside, was backing it up with the Word of God. Because he was a man who was steep, Jesus was, in the Word of God. So, he's in the wilderness, and he's being tested. Just like you and I are in the wilderness and being daily tested. Now, let me give you a little bit of background about the wilderness that I hope you will find helpful. So, the Hebrew word for wilderness is a word called midvar, okay, midvar. Midvar is in the same family tree as the word debar okay, dabar, which is the Hebrew word for speak, speak, a voice, speaking. It is in the wilderness that God spoke to Moses and to the Israelites, and the Spirit then drove Jesus out into the wilderness. So, the first thing we need to know is this. both In both Scripture accounts, the Old and the New Testament, the Israelite people, okay, people of faith were in their own wilderness or desert moment. But here's the thing we need to know just like you and I can be in a wilderness moment and we're vulnerable and we're weak and it's so easy to give in to temptation, God can speak, church. God can speak. I want you to know that. You are not in your wilderness journey alone. It may seem like it, it may feel like it, because you're stressed, you're overwhelmed, you're on empty, but you are not alone. Hear me say that. You are not alone. And the very presence of God in His voice is there. So, I want to unpack that a little bit, okay? Wilderness moments can happen to each and every one of us. And here's the thing about a wilderness or desert trial that you and I can go through, okay? The desert, looking at it in the form of a picture, can be a beautiful thing, can it not? The desert landscape. But for those of us who've spent time in the desert, it can also be a very dangerous Place, can it not? It's a place where you can easily get dehydrated. It's a place where you can easily become famished. And if you are literally in a wilderness or desert place in your own life, guess what? Get ready for it. Because Satan will attack. He will attack you when you are in your wilderness, desert, Place. Why will the devil attack you then when you're going through the trial of a desert or wilderness moment? Because that is when you are at your absolute weakest. You are vulnerable. You are weak. You are spiritually famished. You are spiritually malnourished. So the devil, as it was for Jesus, will attack you when you were at Your weakest. And how will the devil attack you if you're going through some kind of trial or wilderness moment? I'll tell you how he's going to attack you. He's going to attack what you believe about God, he is going to attack your faith, he is going to attack your integrity, he is going to attack your morale. He is going to attack your values. Everything that someone else, whether it be a preacher, a parent, a grandparent, a teacher, everything that someone else poured into you that has shaped you at this very moment, that Will be the very thing that the devil will attack when you are going through your own wilderness moment. Okay? And when you're being attacked, church, listen to me. Yes, God will speak in the wilderness. But it is very hard to hear the voice of God when the devil is filling your head and your ears, listen, with lies and deceit, church. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's that voice. When you are going through literal you-know-what that says you're not good enough, You're not worthy. You're not pretty enough. Forget about it. Give up. It's not worth it. Do you hear me? Those voices, that voice that says, Give up because you're no good. God doesn't want you. You're not worthy. When you are going through those wilderness moments, church, it is hard to hear the voice of God because the devil is constantly filling your head and your ears with lies and deceit. Let me go back to the Word of God. But before I go there, listen to me. Jesus had a compass, a spiritual compass, as he, was being by, as he was being attacked by the devil himself. Listen, verse 13. It says this. Where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days, he was out among the wild animals and angels took care of him angels took care of jesus he was out there for 40 days weak famished tired did you hear it the angels took care of him jesus had a spiritual compass to guide him in his own wilderness through those 40 days, church, you and I must have the same. You and I must have a spiritual compass to guide us through our own wilderness moments because, listen, we cannot do it and live through it and be spiritually enriched and nourished and come out on the other side of it without a spiritual compass, okay? That spiritual compass, church, must always, always, always be the Word of God, okay? We can't pull good quotes and words of man out of the air and expect that to get us through those wilderness moments. It must always be the Word of God, which is true, which is eternal, and which will get us through those trials in life, which will be the only tool, by the way, to rebuke Satan. So, let, let me just tell you how meaningful and powerful the Word of God is, okay? This is what the Word of God says about itself, the Word of God. Let me first turn to the book of Psalms that great prayer book it's on the screen this is a text that I know you are familiar with Psalm 119 105 here's why we need the Word of God that spiritual compass because the Word of God Psalm 105 is a lamp church to guide our feet and a light for our path. Words of man will only take us so far before we walk right into the darkness or we fall into a pit when we are going through our wilderness moment. But the Word of God is that divine light. It is a eternal light that will take us, listen, across the finish line. Very important there. Let me turn now to Luke eleven twenty-eight. Another powerful text about the Word of God. This is from Jesus Himself, our Lord and Savior. He says this, Luke 11, verse 34. It says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. Excuse me. Let me go up. Let me go up. Luke 11, I was reading the wrong verse. I'm back on track now, church. Thank you for bearing with me. 11.28, Jesus says this. He says, but even more blessed are all who hear the Word of God and put it into practice. We hear it, and then we make it real for ourselves and for others. Hear it and put it into practice. Church, we must always have the spiritual compass of the Word of God to get us through those wilderness moments. That is so, so very critical. It's a way in which we can clear the wilderness path, to keep our eye and our heart and our very spirit on what is real and what is eternal, and that is God Almighty. Now, what I'd like to do is make one more transition to something that you and I were not able to do this past Wednesday, that being Ash Wednesday, but something that I think is very important for people of faith to do and to honor And to keep what is holy, holy, and that is the imposition of ashes. So, church, here's the biblical uh, context and meaning behind the imposition of ashes. Back in biblical times, people would wear ash on their foreheads as a sign of saying, I'm grieving, I'm sad. It was also a sign in which they would place on their forehead or somewhere on their body as a way of reminding them of their own mortality. That one day, they would, in fact, come to an end in this life, okay? As a way in which we honor both our life and our life with God, and the fact that you and I will face our own mortality and then have eternal life after this life, we come to this table and we say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I fall short of your grace, your glory, your mercy, your love each and every day. I need you, Lord, in my life. So, I am going to mark myself as a way of saying, Lord, from dust I was created, and to dust I shall return. And in this life, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I need Your grace. I need Your forgiveness. I need to be intentional about prayer. I need to be intentional about using the spiritual compass that you have given to me as a believer to live this life to your glory and to your grace each and every day. So, I invite all who are led by the Holy Spirit this day uh, to come and to have this ashen cross on your forehead as a way of marking us in this Lenten journey and saying, Lord, I want to spend these 40 days in self-examination, in prayer, in Your Word to spiritually prepare me as I walk with You, Lord, to the cross at Calvary.